0: Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 124. I'm Art Regner. And as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. You know, hey, it's summertime right now. It's hot. It's humid. But what better way to cap off your long, hard-working day in the summer than a nice, ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue? It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, but we ask that you always drink Labat Blue, responsibly. And let's uh, bring in our guest on episode 124, no stranger, NHL Hall of Famer. Uh, Larry Murphy joins us as uh, we uh, talk about uh, the upcoming Red Wing season. And uh, he's one of the, I guess, maybe mentors at Fantasy Camp that's happening at Little Caesars Arena on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. With that said, let's bring in uh, a former Red Wing I could go on. Larry played for a few teams: Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously, L.A. Kings, and those dreaded Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, let's bring Larry in. <laughs> hey, Larry, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it.
1: Oh yeah, Art, uh, always good to talk hockey with you. And uh, I know. Uh you know, we're going to cover a lot of ground. Uh, you, you have a, a knack of uh, touching on a lot of different subjects.
0: Yes, yes, and, and <laughs> since it's a family show, most of them we we won't be able to touch upon <laughs> there, Larry. No. Well, we've already talked about. We've got the
1: little bat blue out of the way, so we can move on now to hockey. <laughs> right now, first of all, I, I know, <laughs> you
0: know, I I know that you. Uh, um, uh, you know, you, you last year you came back. You you started telecasting games for Fox again. You'll be back this season. Uh, I mean, you just seem like a natural. How how easy of a transition was it to you to go from the ice into the the broadcast booth, so to speak?
1: Well, it's it's. Um, I mean, obviously, being an analyst, knowing the game is is, is where you start. Uh, you know, a, a good knowledge of the game. I have played it my whole life, so I feel comfortable. And then that part of it, the the difference, of course, is uh, knowing how, how it works, how how uh, you know how you need to prepare yourself for a game, be best prepared to do the best job possible, and also how to work within the game, all, all the issues with uh, uh, probably the biggest adjustment was you, um, for a television uh, telecast. You have a a producer that's uh, in your ear, as expression goes, talks to you all. Uh, while a game's going on, you have to get used to listening to somebody and talking at the same time. So all those things uh, you, with experience become more comfortable with. But the basis is the knowledge of the game and, and watching as much as you can, read as much as you can and come to conclusions as often as you can.
0: And you do a, you really do a good job like that? I mean, you, you're affable, you're really personable. Uh, I remember when you were traded uh, to the Red Wings uh, uh, from Toronto, and uh, I was, you know, because I had followed your career, obviously being a lifelong hockey fan, and I, you know, I knew who you were, so to speak. And so uh, what happened was is that uh, they said Larry Murphy wants to talk to you. Yeah, I don't know, it was after a game or I don't know post game show or something. And I was like really nervous. I'm thinking, God, Larry Murphy wants to talk to me. And you came on and it was like I was talking to my brother or something. I mean, it was just, you know, it's, it, you know you're know, you just such an easygoing guy. Yet, And maybe that's the weirdest thing about hockey players for me, or a lot of athletes I should say, is that, you know, off the, the field of competition... Uh, they 're great people, but once you get on the field of competition, you have to be all business i mean i i don 't know if you, you turn it on or turn it off but 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 certainly um I guess you have to have two mindsets is what i 'm asking you
1: yeah well um it 's like just to go back to what you touched on first was uh you know the opportunity to uh to talk and you you were um the radio, radio personality, and uh, uh, of course, like you know, most people, if not all people, listening to the radio in the car driving back and forth to work. And for me, it was back and forth to uh, Joe Lewis Arena. So I mean, we had an opportunity, you know, you introduced yourself, and we uh, had an opportunity to talk. And the, but the one time, the one thing that uh, time that sticks out in my mind was uh, it was during the playoff game, I, and uh, I can't, I believe it was the '97 playoffs, and I was actually in the The trainer's office talking to you on the radio... Right after the game, I still had my equipment on, but I remember, you know, it was a victory in the playoffs, and I, I, I remember just, uh, there was a lot of laughs, and uh, it, was, uh, it was always a good time, so to speak, but really? that particular one, sitting with my stinky hockey equipment on talking to you on the radio, <laughs> sticks out in my mind.
0: Well, yeah, I, I actually remember that too, Larry, and uh, you know what, well, real, real interesting because you're such an easygoing guy, and now you're going to be part of, as I said, Red Wing uh, uh, Fantasy Camp, and... Uh, I would imagine you just go and you just be yourself, right? I mean, can you give us a little bit of an insight? I mean, I, I call you a mentor, and certainly you are. But uh, uh, this fantasy camp—I know you've done it before—and uh, uh, what uh, keeps drawing you to it?
1: Well, it's—it's it's a lot of fun. That's—that's uh, that, that's probably the number one reason. You—you um, you have a, a, a very committed, uh, enthusiastic hockey fans. Um, Mostly men, we do get the odd woman that, that partakes in the in the camp, and, and for them it's a case of uh, you know they get to they get the wear the wing wheel. We were at the Little Caesars Arena. Um, we play a tournament. We split up uh, split the camp into two teams, and then there's other guys. In the years past, Kirk Malpey's been there with me, and uh, Darren McCarty. I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the lineup is for this year, but it's a case to hang out. Do you talk hockey? You yeah, have fun. That's uh, essentially the mentor thing. What we what, during the camp, we uh, we always have a practice where we try to uh, you know. Run. We try to run NHL drills. It's sometimes it's uh, a little tough because uh, they're very they're they're complicated. So sometimes you know we uh, we give them a taste of it, and and then uh, by doing that, they the campers find out. I mean, just how difficult these drills are and the expectations to make them work. So you get you know you just you try to give them a sense of what it's like to be in the National Hockey League, and you tell stories, and we hang out, and we play turns, we play with the team. And it's a lot of fun. It's a three-day event, and uh, I think it's my, it's my fourth year or fifth year doing it. And uh, I mark it off in the calendar every year. I always look forward to it.
0: Well, you know, yeah, I know. I know it's a lot of fun. I go and cover it. I actually sometimes walk into the uh, the various rooms because, as you said, they're split up into uh, four, I believe, four different teams, and uh, you know, and they're asking me stuff, you know, and they want me (laughs) to tell them stories and things. Oh, I know.
1: Yeah. You're a hero, Art, and they're mine. So, uh. <laughs> well, thank you, Larry. I appreciate that.
0: Uh, the check's in the mail, as they say. Is there a question that you always know at these fantasy camps that you're going to get? What do they really want to know from Larry Murphy? Is it more about a particular game, maybe a player you played with, a coach that you had? Is it, or, or, or do the questions come from all different directions?
1: Yeah, they cover a lot of different ground. Um, I mean, I know this year a big part of. I'm sure I will get a lot of questions about Steve Eisman coming back as general manager, and that's an exciting time for 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 the city and for the for the fans. So I'm sure it'll be a lot of discussion about uh, Steve coming back. You know, you get you know you get uh, questions on. Um, you know, particular players, you know, your current Red Wings situation now, what, you know, what do you see? You know, what's your opinion on this player? Uh, you, plus, uh, the big thing they love is, uh, is stories. Um, you, know, we, you know, we were in the dressing room with, with, uh, with the campers, and, and uh, we'll, we'll reminisce about uh, things that went on with, with the team. Obviously, you know, winning the Stanley Cups are, are a favorite topic but also what you know what went on in the dressing room in those years when you won the stanley cup kind of the behind the scenes uh look at you know what it what it took to you know what it took to win the stanley cup and, and that part of it so you share stories they love it uh and uh, that's what, what happens it's uh, you, you get a chance to, to reminisce and uh, those years gone by. Yeah
0: well you know it, it's, it, it, it's, it's funny you would say that because I know that in the, in the book that I, uh, I did with, uh, uh, with Kevin Allen and uh, Nate Brown, uh, of what it means to be a Red you told me the story. I, I remember it was in the 97 playoffs. The team had lost to, uh, to St. Louis, in St. Louis and you know I was all you know on the air back then and I was all worked up and you know I think that's when I finally said for Christ's sakes go out and play some hockey for the first time <laughs> and, 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 and I remember I remember um, afterwards I guess Steve got Steve Eiserman got a little bit upset too after that game and Address the team. Now, I'm sure you know it was pretty understated. You know, he's he, you know, Steve doesn't speak very often, but when he does, you know, carries weight. And I remember you talked about it in the book and you said, you know, this thing has grown like into epic proportions. Like, you know, Steve addressed the team, there wasn't a dry eye in the room after (laughs) he was done, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but I would imagine when somebody addresses, I mean, sure, different personalities, but, um, uh, you know, we probably, as fans, when we hear that, oh, he addressed the team, we think that it's a big to do, and you know, the you know, peel and paint off the walls and all that. But usually, it's—I would imagine—it's probably pretty uh, direct, obviously. But just hone right in on what we have to do, and boom, let's go out and do it. I would imagine instead of this, you know. You know, Steve went on. You know, you guys missed the bus. Or, you know, to, to back to the airport or something because he was talking for so long. But you know, I mean, isn't that kind of really what does happen? I mean, have have you ever spoken? You know, have you been? Well,
1: well, yeah. I mean, sorry to cut you off. No, there, no, but, no. Uh, um, yeah, but the, the you know, I been in uh, in St. Louis. Yeah, it, it's you know the. It, Hollywood always, you know, the, it's the party or whatever, Bart star. all these, you these, uh, know, win one for the Gipper speeches. Right. right. And, you know, which we we'd laughed about, you know, it's, it's, but, uh, and that, that situation situation's a case of a, a team captain, Steve Eisman. You touched on, he's a, he, um, he wasn't a raw raw guy It wasn't like he was you know slapping everybody on the back as we go out in the ice come on guys let's you know let's win this one is you know his approach uh, Steve was a guy that led through example uh, there wasn't anybody more committed in terms of you know preparing himself uh, working out preparing himself for the games and, and being committed for the games and he, he was very smart that um, he selected his words uh carefully, and he wasn't a guy, when he said something, he didn't say a lot, as I say, he wasn't a rah rah guy, but right. boy, carried a lot of weight, and his talk in St. Louis definitely carried a lot of weight, resonated with, with the players, but uh, it was just a case of everybody sitting in the room, taking the equipment off, and then he just basically got attention to the room and, and, and said a few things that were very pointed, uh, very, you know, very, very, Point in the fact that uh, hey, you know, who, we're you know, we're kidding ourselves here and our commitment and, we, and that sort of thing. Saying we got to look in the mirror, and it carried carried a lot of weight. Uh, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't by you know a Hollywood scriptwriter, but definitely uh, extremely effective and, and a very pivotal point that, that playoff run. Well, well, you know,
0: it's interesting because I can I, I remember I don't know i I think the game was like four to one or something and. Uh, back then, Terry Foster was my radio partner, and we were the sports doctors. And yeah, you know, I, I remember saying to him, "You know, Doctor F- Foster, they have the talent, they have the coach, they're the better team. But for Christ's sakes, go out and play some hockey!" But I was a much more, you know, I mean, and, and, and you know, because at that point, and you walked into a situation in '97 where they were kind of—I uh, always equated to like they were the Atlanta Braves of the NHL, the greatest team that never won anything. And by yeah. that time, after '96, when they were defeated in the Western Conference Final by Colorado, everyone just thought that Detroit's window was closing. Little did we know that it was actually finally opening. Um, but I, I guess my, my, my point is, is when you walked in back then, and you know you had been on Stanley Cup championship teams. Scotty Bowman was was your coach. You've had, you already had him as a coach, and were familiar with him. Um, what was that situation like from going from the Leafs to, uh, uh, to, a, to to into the Red Wing room? I mean, did you go in with the preconceived ideas that this is a great hockey club, but you know, I, you know, maybe they just don't have it, or were you just completely focused and given new life and hey, fellas, let's just go and we're going to win this thing?
1: Well, the mindset. Uh for for the team was yeah they had you know disappointment in, in the years past when they thought that it was their, it was their time, but it was still uh, it was definitely wasn't no one was giving up that's for sure and you have to just keep pressing and pressing, and that was the attitude on that team. Um, I th- it was uh, the one game I was uh, it was early on I'd only been there a few games when uh, uh, C- Colorado came to town and that's when we had that big. uh big ruckus at the start of the game the big brawl and we we end up going on and winning that game that was the from that moment on the team you you could just sense it was catapulted to greatness uh uh, really a some uh uh, turning point in that season or a pivotal point in that season that really pushed that team and that from that point on it just things got better and better that season of course then we go on to win the cup but um it was an impressive dressing room. I mean, the talent was incredible, but it wasn't a team that felt defeated. They just felt their time was to come, and they were going to do everything they could to get there. And I got there at the right time to become part of that push.
0: Well, right, certainly. I think that everybody that you know that had followed the Red Wings, uh, in my case, my whole life, uh, that March 26 game was really pivotal. And and I still look at it. And the thing that always surprises me about that is. In all honesty, till this day, no one can figure out because Darren McCarty scored the winning goal in overtime. How he was still in the game?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, that's that's a different era. I mean, of course, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know, he would if thing happened today. Of course, he wouldn't be in the game anymore. But, um, that yeah, that was that to me, that was the greatest regular season game I've ever played in. Uh, without a doubt, just because uh, how exciting that game was and then how much it meant to this, this team. So, yeah, it, it was, uh, for me, the number one regular season, season game I ever played in. And I had no idea what was, hap- was going to happen. I mean, I knew there was a huge rivalry and a history between these two teams, and I, st- I didn't start that game. I was on the bench. And all uh, hell broke loose, and I I couldn't believe it. I didn't, you know, I did not see this coming. And then, of course, that that game was from that point on. I mean, it was a it was a great game and it come from behind victory for us.
0: Well, you know what, what's interesting about about that was is that I can remember ESPN was telecasting the NHL back then, and I you know they would come into uh, uh, into town, uh, Steve Levy and uh, you know Barry Melrose and. And, and they would say that and that the Detroit Colorado anytime they played and they were on television that that was must see TV regardless if you were a hockey fan or not that this was just something that really had captivated in this case probably two nations Canada and the United States but uh, have you ever had a, another rivalry like that, or you know, maybe back in in junior, what what Peterborough or whomever, you know, playing Guelph or something? I don't know. I mean, or or is that pretty tops for you? Because you obviously played on some really high end teams too. Well,
1: yeah, like rivalries for the most part are based on geography, kind of leads to a long, you know, lifelong rivalry. That was. That, that was a relatively short rivalry maybe i you know it's there's still hatred for the avalanche here in detroit but nothing like uh you know when claude lemieux was playing for the avs it was as vicious as being as intense and what made it so great was there were two really good teams that desperately hated each other and the fans hated each other and and it was the most intense rivalry I've ever been part of. Now, I, you know, I played in Toronto, and the the Toronto Montreal rivalry has gone on for over a hundred years, and means a lot. And right. you know, if you can beat the, you know, if, with the Leafs, if you could beat the Canadians, I mean, that would that would be a, you know a, a huge part of our season. But nothing like the intensity and hatred of the uh, a, a based on. The hatred and the intensity was there, and it was it was great to be part of it. Boy, those games were every time I played the Avalanche with the Wings, it felt like it was a battle. It was just you know, like a, a fist fight for sixty minutes, so to speak.
0: Right. Well, you know, with all due respect to all the other teams in the league at that at that time. Um, I always felt that, and I think it was proven that, you know, one over the other was probably going to win the Stanley Cup or at least make it into the final who could ever survive the other one, so to speak. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, but, but I mean, they were really by far the two best teams I thought in the league.
1: Well, that's what made it so great. I mean, when you've got you know, when you've got two great teams that hate each other, have a history of, uh, of hatred and it was it was it was like a, every game you you know you came out of the bloody nose and whether you won or lost you, you paid the price and there was no uh, you know you were ready for that game it was you know everybody was so fired up on both teams that uh, like the coach didn't really you know he just basically had to open the door and let you know let me let everybody out so to speak every, every every player was ready for it
0: you know I, I doug Brown told me a story one time that Scotty, and, and, and you know, we'll transition, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Scotty and then Steve, and then we'll concentrate on the team and, uh, uh, for the upcoming season and your work with, uh, with Fox Sports Detroit, but um, uh, and this could have been in the book too, but Doug Brown said that Scotty had a habit of just before the National Anthem of going up to certain players, or in this case Sergey Fedorov, and whispering in his ear, "Sergey, who's the be- best player on the ice tonight? Sergey Fedorov or Peter Forsberg. He said that's all Fedorov needed to hear is that boom, you know, <laughs> and that focused him. and And I think that that is why that's Scotty's brilliance. I think because. He just knows, I've had like, you know, Nick Lidstrom has always told me that Scotty never really talked to him, whereas obviously we know that it's almost legendary with Brendan Shanahan, Scotty was always in his grill, you know, and, and can you talk about, uh, about Scotty Bowman and, you know, have you ever, I, I would imagine you probably have never played for a coach quite as, um, I don't know, eccentric in a good way.
1: Yeah, Skari was, um, was 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 the best coach I ever played for. Um, you know, his strengths were—I I felt his strengths were—he knew how to handle the players. As you, you know, he, stories about uh, you know, touched on off and Shannon. He treated he, <laughs> he treated, uh, he treated guy, everybody differently. Knew how to you know what buttons to push. What guys needed to to be at their best. He had that knack of knowing how to, how to prepare guys. That was what, Sky's greatest strength as a coach was he knew how to prepare a team. In the playoffs, that's where he really excelled. If you lost a game, he knew what to do, what to say, how to prepare that team for the next playoff game so that you you have your best chance. And on the opposite side, too, if you won the game, previous game, you would know what to do to make this team as as best prepared as possible, you combine that with his knowledge of the opposition. He knew he knew teams or weaknesses where where he needed it to uh, expose areas of their game. He needed to expose, and that was that was his greatest strength as a coach. was just preparing. You know, those areas r- really stood out.
0: You know, he told me, and I know we're going down memory lane here, Larry. We always do every time I talk to you. But yeah. uh, but the thing that that Scotty told me a couple of years ago was that. What made this, the Red Wings so great, the Red Wing teams that you were on, is that you could play any style the other team wanted. As a matter of fact, you almost let them dictate the style of play because you knew we can do that, and guess what? We can, we can do it better than you. I mean, I mean and, and I guess that is, to sound totally cliche, it's the true definition of a team.
1: Well, yeah, the, what was uh, great about this team was we, you know, we had players. You know, we had the grind line. We had, you know, we had guys that knew their job. Scotty made it was very well was well defined with, with with players what his expectations were of them. And and we had, you know, we had guys that could play. We could play all different sorts of games. Whether we could play it tight or you or play it whatever situation get in. We got in. You know, he just he really he clarified to everybody. It was quite clear what your responsibility was. And guys took tremendous amount of pride in, in the, the part that they were playing, and and that's you know, those teams. That's exactly where it was. I mean, they knew exactly what they were supposed to do, and they would they would go out and do it.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Well, let's uh, speaking of which, and and you touched upon it earlier. Um, Steve Eisenman has come back. Uh, you know, uh, I'm just not saying this because he's a, you know a Red Wing icon, uh, but. Uh, you know, he proved in Tampa that he's one of the most astute and best general managers uh, uh, in the sport. When you were playing with him, did you see that? Are you surpri- Not surprised, because I, I, I don't want to take anything away from what Steve has accomplished. But are you sitting in the room like after that uh, the the, the St. Louis speech, and you know, you you got a tissue, and you're you know, you're drying your eyes out because you're so <laughs> emotional. Did you think, boy, this guy's going to be a great general manager someday?
1: Uh, you know, I I um I had no idea what what his aspirations were post uh post hockey career. Uh and I never I never looked at him as a player and thought, Boy, this guy's gonna be a great job manager. It didn't it never even crossed my mind. I was more concerned with, you know, the right. game we were at coming up. So but uh, you know, you look at Steve Eisen's path, I mean it's it's it, 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 you couldn't lay it out any better for his return. To Detroit, He starts off, he works under Ken Holland, a great general manager who's, with, who's, what, four or five years. Right. He has an opportunity to be executive director of the Canadian Olympic program. You know, of course, they get two gold medals during that time. And then he goes to Tampa and builds a real strong team by making real tough decisions. He, You know, he, he buys out a, a legend, uh, Vince Cavalier buys his contract out. Martin St. Louis, uh, I believe Conn Smythe Trophy winner in the playoffs. their Stanley Cup trades him. Uh, Kucherov, you know, he's, he's uh the general manager of the team when they, you know, right. they, they pick him and you know he wins scoring, wins the heart this past year. So he he, he builds a strong team. Then he's he comes but to Detroit, a team that's uh, turning it around now, a team where. Stockpiled a lot of draft picks. They've got some great young talent here right now. I mean, it's a perfect situation. He knows exactly what he needs to do to build this franchise and goes to show you what he did in the offseason. I mean, he didn't go out and sign some guy to a six, seven year deal. Um, That time's not here yet for the Wings. He's going to develop these young players. He brought in a couple of veteran guys to round out the lineup. And then as the team improves, you're going to see him. He's going to start making bolder moves. He's going to assess what he has. And, you know, he's got this team on path. I mean, the question is not when the two Wings are going to be great again. It's it's, or it's not if they're going to be great again. It's going to be when. How many, you know, how many years before they get back there, it's coming. That's for sure.
0: Well, you know, I, I was thinking because I, I remember when he was, uh, you know, on uh, April 19th when he was uh, announced as the uh, senior vice president and general manager of the Red Wings, I remember talking to him saying, listen, don't you feel more pressure now uh, just because you're walking into a situation where, you know, arguably you and Gordie Howard are the two greatest Red Wings uh, of all time. Uh, and I'd I throw Nick in there too, I guess. And God, I can start listing off a litany of guys who were, you know, great Red Wings because it's such a storied franchise. but. Uh, you know, he really didn't, he doesn't look at it that way. He really doesn't, you know, he just thinks, hey, you know, I, what I did as a player, I was a player, what I did in Tampa, that that's in Tampa, I'm here to do a job. And it's that, I think it's that focus and that drive that he has that's interesting. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe a different guy who, let's say it's Steve, you know, was still in Tampa It did not take the job, Ken decided to step down. Uh, I think that maybe sometimes, maybe it's human nature, you're, you're almost compelled, like, first thing this guy would do is sign Mitch Marner to an offer sheet or something, but Steve doesn't really have to do anything like that, because his reputation precedes himself, especially in Detroit.
1: Well, it's all, you know, it's it's about success, uh, you know, um, that's where he ultimately judged, and, and um, he's confident in his skill set, and he... And he the worst thing you know he could have done is gone out and try to sign you know do some some signing for some flashiness. I mean yeah. it's you know that uh, he, he and he said right from day one. I, I you know he's uh, you, you know don't expect this is how we're going to approach it. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do, and he'll stick with it. I mean he's got enough confidence in his ability. Um, he'll stay the course. I mean, there might, there's going to be bumps in the road as you go along and, and, uh, that won't deter him from, um, I mean, he'll make adjustments as necessary, but he's not going to panic at all. I mean, that's, uh, uh, you know, he's, he, no one's going to outwork him. I mean, as a player, he had tremendous commitment to the game and as a general manager, He's got that same thing. I mean, he watches a lot of hockey, travels a lot. And, uh, I mean, uh, talking about a perfect situation, he had this whole year. He, you know, he, he knew this day was coming. And he used this year. I'm sure he watched a lot of Wings games. He watched a lot of my uh, amateur hockey games. And, right. I mean, he was ready for the job. I mean, it was a perfect, uh, uh, perfect situation for him to lock into.
0: Well, yeah, yeah I agree with you. you know, I, I don't think I've ever really told this story uh, before, which is for me, is kind of amazing. But uh, uh, you, you know, I could always remember I when the as soon as the room would open, and if C was sitting on his stool, you know, I would bound right up to him. You know, like get right in front of him, and you know, he he has to look up. You know, I mean, which is you know, and here steven and I, 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 I don't know why but you know I, I would get uh, you know not liquid courage but courage on certain days and then I, I, went, in, <laughs> I went into him and I look at him and I was just exasperated about something something that he had done a feat or an accomplishment and I go uh, I go why are you so you know why, why are you so understated I mean why don't you you know kind of almost toot your own horn is you know I I just can't believe that you you know you're not uh, your own biggest fan or something to that effect and he looked up at me because you know again he's sitting on this stool and he goes what do you want me to say and I looked at him and I, I've never answered that question I'm still thinking about that you know and, and that was that was several years ago you know like 15 years ago or something maybe even longer but that's him, and, you know, that because, you know, I know you get it, I get it all the time, what's Stevie going to do, what's Stevie going to do, and it's like, I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but I'm going to tell you, what he is going to do is turn this team around, as as you just said, I mean, that's, uh, that's really what his DNA is all about, I mean, he just has yeah. a laser laser focus.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, He's going to uh, stay the course without a doubt, and uh, he's not. You know, he does what he feels is best. That's what's that's what's great. Uh, great about his approach is, I uh, don't you know, I don't even know if he reads the newspapers or, or reads the blogs. I'm you know that, that he, he you know he just he's a hockey guy. He put he surrounds himself with good people. And he'll make decisions based on what you know him and his team feel best for this franchise. And he's not gonna he's not gonna falter. He's uh he's not out there. He, job is to win. He's not out there to look great. You know he's never a guy to toot his own horn. He's not gonna get up on the podium and tell everybody what a great job he's doing. Yeah, as you know, as you well know, Art, you work with him day in day out now. Yeah. I mean the times are gonna be few and far between where you you know you're where you're gonna get a chance to get him to you know. Talk about what he's going to do. Because one, he's going to be busy doing it. And two, he's not—he's not a guy to do it his own horn.
0: Right? No, no, that's absolutely right. When you look at the the Red Wings team, I think that you know the fan base. You know the the feedback that I get is that it certainly looks like there is a core group of forwards, young forwards, especially if uh, Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, and Tyler Bertuzzi are a definitive number one line, a dominant line in the National Hockey League. Certainly. Um, you know they're ascending up there and you know it might take a couple of more years but they, 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 you know if you have a definitive number one line i think you can do uh, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, you know makes that makes it easier but you know if everything starts to fall into place i guess is what i'm saying but i guess larry and, and you know being a hall of fame uh, nhl defenseman uh, that you are a hall of famer um, the defensive core is probably, I would assume, and I'm not saying anything here that's a revelation, but that is going to be, I think, Steve's biggest task right now is 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 retooling the uh, the blue line because unfortunately, Father Time catches up with all of us, and it certainly is caught up with the Red Wing blue line.
1: Well, yeah, you got really you have three guys that are on their final year of their their contract. I mean, Daly and Erickson and, and Green. Um, you know, off first pick being a defenseman this this, uh, this draft. I mean, uh, he, I think job number one is to uh, reshape the, the defense. And we are going to see the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of different faces out there. But um, also, I, I think there might be surprises this season. Uh, it's going to be based on, you know, performance this season could affect decisions that he makes. He, he's going to evaluate the, the defense core and everybody on it. And, you know, he might, uh, he's, he's not going to be, uh, he won't mind, um, you know, changing course during the season if he feels that uh, uh, a player is really showing himself well and, and has a place in this, this uh, franchise for the next few years. So it remains to be seen what decisions he makes on the blue line, but I, I think it's safe to say there are going to be Different faces in the next few seasons.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, and, and obviously that's uh, that's what he was brought in to do. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty eager. I think everybody is just to see um, how this team evolves uh, under Steve. When you when you look at the Red Wings this upcoming season, and obviously you know they haven't made the playoffs the last few years, uh, last three seasons. But um, uh, what 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 impresses you about this team? What do you really look forward? What do, what do you want to see from them? Well, you just want
1: to see continued development. Uh, uh, you want you want to see at the end of the season. You, we want to have the discussion talking about uh, uh, you know how Manta is. Boy, his game's really rounded out. He's been uh, much more uh, consistent uh, out there. Larkin's taking the you know he's got the C on it. Boy, he's, you know he's. What a leader he, he has been out there, and, and you know we want to we want to say that after the season. I think uh, uh, I think that I think this year the team's going to uh, uh, is going to uh, battle for a playoff spot. I, uh, a lot of uh, people aren't so sure about the wings, but I just see you've got core guys up front like they do, guys that can be game breakers in the lineup. You know, I think that uh, this team's going to take a step in the right way. They've got guys that can make a difference. You know, that's, that's right. what you need. You want guys that, are, that go out there and get that big goal, that big timely goal. And, and they've got four or five guys that can potentially fill that role.
0: No, certainly. I, you know, I, I think you really did hit it on the head, Larry, and that's why you're so, uh, you know, good at what at what you do. I mean, not only are you a great player, but I, I do enjoy your work at Fox Sports Detroit. Is, is that? You know, let me put it to you this way. I, I, I was talking to. Uh, uh, a couple of fans, and they were telling me, "Okay, maybe the Red Wings weren't the greatest team last year, but they played hard and they were fun to watch." So I guess if you combine that with them showing progress this upcoming season, that's pretty much all you can ask for.
1: Yeah, I just want to step in the right direction. I think, yeah, I think we're at the point where we can ask look for results, look for winning games, finding ways to win games,
0: and right? Being
1: competitive, gaming out. I think that's a fair. Uh, our, uh, expectation of this team, and they'll stay in the playoff hunt right to the end of the season. That's what what uh, I expect from this team. And then, uh, you know, then the following season, just take it the next step. So they got young guys developing. So yeah, it's it's definitely a team that's turned the corner. And, and push now is to see just how good they can get out in, in the short period of time.
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Larry, I know that, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to have to wrap it up, unfortunately. I know you have a limited uh, s- schedule today because you're a very popular man, and I know, I-, I know that you have to, you know, you have to start, uh, uh, you know, getting ready for big fantasy camp. Uh, although, yep. I'm sure, Larry, what, you're probably on the ice every day for two or three hours just, uh, you know, <laughs> Just re- reliving the past memories. You're going to be, you're going to be a, a, what is it, a whirling dervish or whatever that the thing is out there. Uh, come uh, fantasy camp on Monday. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I, you know, the uh, if, if goals are a bit different now when I'm on the ice. You know, before when I was a player in the National Hockey League, it was, it was all about achievement. Now it's, you know, now I try to get off the ice without being hurt. You know, so it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's a lot different. <laughs>
0: really really at least you don't cop the attitude you just sort of stand out there and say been there done that don't leave me alone you know but uh, <laughs> or let me alone I guess that's dramatically correct but uh, Larry I, I you know I know I know the fantasy campers you know it's I, I think it's you Matthew Dandino, Anders Erikson. I think Mulpe gonna be there and of course Darren McCarty I, I think I mean I I saw a preliminary lineup so but but you're okay. definitely gonna be there you're, you're worth the uh, you know the price of admission. <laughs> but,
1: well, I'll definitely I'll, I'll see you down there, Art. Uh, yeah, it's been fun, uh, fun chatting, reminiscing, as always, and we've got to do this uh, sooner than later, that's for sure. Do yeah, it again.
0: Definitely, Larry. I, I do appreciate you taking the, uh, taking the time. And you know what's really great about Fantasy Camp? Um, uh, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt, and Labatt is also uh presenting fantasy camp this year so uh uh you know and, and i'm sure uh at the end of the day uh, there might be uh a labat blue or two shared uh in the room <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: there, there you know there's a little, there's some product that i gotta be honest that's kind of spread around the dressing room afterwards uh so yeah, and uh, that's when the best stories are told at that time. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, there's, I'm sure there's more than just beer that's gonna be spread around in those locker rooms once you guys start that gaming. But uh, anyway, Larry, hey, I, I you know, I'm so glad that you're, you, you know, you're back at Fox. You know, you've you've been a buddy for a long time. I've always enjoyed your company. Thank you for joining us on the Red and White Authority. Oh uh, my pleasure. Take care.